the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got a great program on this uh, Saturday, August the 27th, 2022. We've got some great guests, and uh, I want to share some thoughts with you regarding the second phase of the border crisis. I think it's very, very important, my friends, that we talk about that. But first of all, let me tell you who uh, our guests are. First of all, we've got Mr. Ken Oliver, uh, who is the Senior Director uh, for the Right uh, Immigration Project for the Texas Public Policy Foundation. And um, uh, Ken is, uh, is really, really interesting. Uh, although the Texas Public Policy Foundation is based in, um, in Austin, uh, Ken himself is in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, and uh, constantly vigilantly, vigilantly watching what is going on at the um, at the Capitol and in the White House with uh, regards to the issue of immigration. So while well, you're going to hear from him, uh, he's got some comments regarding the arrival of uh, buses from Texas in Washington, D.C. We also have Mr. Brent Smith. Brent Smith, my friends, is the individual who um, has uh, gone, uh, who, who has led the charge from the very, very beginning. He's from Kenny County, the attorney in Kenny County. He has led the charge from the very, very beginning on addressing the issue of, of the border crisis. Kenny County was one of the counties on the border that has been overrun. And, uh, and uh, Brent has been at the very forefront of, uh, of the battle, trying to find solutions, trying to propose ideas. Uh, the thing that uh, has really caught on right now is this uh, declaration of an invasion I've asked Brent to come on the show and uh, explain why it is important that counties begin to adopt uh, a declaration of an invasion. It is very, very important, my friends, that states begin, that the state of Texas begin to address or address in some form or fashion uh, the border crisis because it's obvious that the, uh, that the federal government is not going to do it. Um, we also have uh, a, uh, a Mr. Matt O'Brien who is with uh, the um, uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute in uh, uh, Washington, D.C. And I called Matt uh, to please uh, talk to us about the, the, the cities that declared themselves sanctuaries in violation of the law and um, what is happening with these communities because these cities now, all of a sudden, like New York and, and D.C. in particular, all of a sudden, these folks, my friends, are just freaking out because they've got illegal aliens coming to their to, to their doorstep. So uh, what happened to their welcoming? What happened to their sanctuary approach? Uh, nevertheless, this is what, um, what is happening uh, in these uh, fake uh, liberal communities. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's very, very obvious, my friends, that liberals care... Uh, about everything until it's in their backyard, and then all of a sudden they, you know, they freak out, and uh, that's exactly what is happening with New York and and, and D.C. So, uh, having said that, let me talk to you uh, about the second phase of the border crisis, my friends. Um, as many of you know and have been listening to me 
uh, before I came over to, to KLUP and uh, when I was doing an independent podcast and when I was with uh, Raging Elephants Radio way back. Um, I have been speaking about uh, about the whole issue of the border crisis, telling everybody, warning folks. Uh, I've been doing this for almost seven years, and actually, you know, I've been involved in the whole issue of, of immigration for all my life, practically. Uh, at, at any rate, um, I have been warning folks about, um, you know, that uh, if you reward bad behavior, if you allowed, if you tolerated uh, this illegal a- uh, immigration, it was going to get worse. Well, it's gotten worse, and I'm not sure how much worse it can get than what we've got right now. We have uh, we we have no border. I mean, uh, th- that's that's simple. So every while everybody is focusing on what's happening of uh, people crossing the border and entering the United States, um, we need to start focusing now, my friends. In my opinion, we need to start focusing on what is happening in the cities, in the communities as these folks are now dispersed as they colonize America. What, um, you know, the battle uh, is now, and I hate to, to, to sound this way, but I, I can't, I, I, I mean, it's the best description, uh, a very vivid description for you. The battle has moved from the, from the border. The invasion has now moved to the streets and, and to the neighborhoods, literally. Let me repeat that to you. The, the invasion has moved from the street from from the border to the streets and the neighborhoods so what is happening well good example and uh, I, I've been for those of you that uh, are interested you can go to my Facebook page El Conservador and you can look at the um, uh, uh, the videos uh, I also have a Twitter account that has some of them as well as uh, and a LinkedIn account that has them but I've been posting a lot of um, videos regarding this situation at uh, or, or what is happening with the migrant center here in San Antonio as well as the uh, the uh, migrants themselves in the city uh, the migrant center uh, was was established by the city of San Antonio uh, and uh, it uses FEMA money it uses federal uh, refugee money it uses all sorts of federal money uh, to uh, help, as they put it, to assist the illegal aliens after they are uh, picked up at the border, they are brought here, and they are processed. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that means, processed, but they are providing support for these illegal aliens that, uh, that are a result of the Biden open border. Uh, the federal funds come into the city, and then the city disperses them to nonprofits, who are actually helping the folks directly. However, the city has done a contract. The city uh, uh, rents the building where all of this goes on, and the city provides uh, uh, security, uh, public safety uh, at the building. Uh, so the, uh, so that's, you know, the, the city has uh, a, a direct involvement, and uh, although they try to hide it, but they do have direct involvement. They also provide transportation. For, for these illegal aliens. Um, the uh, illegal aliens are, are uh, provided, um, uh, we are told that after three days of uh, being at this center, they are then asked to leave or to move on. They are then uh, uh, either shipped out, they begin their, pro- their, their travel to wherever destination they're going. We've been interviewing people that go to that are heading to Chicago, they're heading to Atlanta, they're heading to Utah, they're heading all over the place, my friends. And um, so after three days, they are they uh, are kicked out of the uh, the center. Here is the situation as far as the they pro- they are provided some temporarily some temporary um, housing. They are also provided tickets. The uh, nonprofits are providing them tickets for travel. Now. Some of them are not getting tickets, either because they're running out of money or because they don't qualify, whatever the qualifications might be, I'm not sure. But some of them are not getting tickets. Uh, some of them are getting tickets. They also get some clothes. Uh, they get medicine. Uh, we have seen some that are carrying pets, and that has delayed their departure because um, they've got to get uh, arrangements for, their, for the travel with their pets. 
So, uh, I mean, it is, it, it's, it, it's very, very interesting how all of this is happening. Now, here's the, here, here's the catch. There are some individuals, my friends, who do not have a sponsor and who do not have relatives or friends. These people, or money, these people are ending up on the street. We have a new group of people of homeless on the street here in San Antonio. Illegal aliens are, are, are becoming homeless. And, uh, you know, these folks uh, are, are, well, they've got nowhere to go. And you see them on San Pedro Avenue, where the um, where the uh, migrant uh, center is located. You're beginning to see them all over the street, up and down the street, uh, standing at or sitting at uh, bus stops. These people are culturally in shock because they've never been in a, in, a, in 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 in, a, in in the United States. Many of them are coming from rural communities in Venezuela or the rest of Latin America. And uh, they are in shock. I mean, they don't know what to do. Um, they are homeless. Some of them are getting picked up for, as day laborers, and they're not supposed to work because they don't have work, work permissions. Some of them are, have resorted to begging. They, you see them up and down, walking up to people, asking them for, for money so that they can buy food, etc., etc. They are uh, They are affecting and impacting the, uh, the neighborhood the quality of life, as well as the businesses. They are impacting on the businesses. The other thing that these illegal alien homeless are, are, are doing is they're also displacing the American homeless. They are, entering in, they are ending up in homeless shelters where they are overrunning, by their sheer numbers, they are overrunning the American homeless. Now, let's make sure that you understand the figures that we're talking about. Since Biden took office... Over 4 million, over 4 million illegal aliens have crossed the border. Now, I'm not saying that all of them are homeless, but let's say that 50%, let's say that 30% of the 4 million are homeless at this point. I mean, isn't that a huge number, my friends? Isn't that, isn't that a tragedy that we're... Uh, that, that we are creating here, uh, beggars, day laborers that are not supposed that are, that are going to be paid under the table and who are going to suffer. You know that's not the American dream. That's just not the American dream. The uh, they are creating more homeless, and you know who's going to pay for all of this, my friends? The taxpayer. The taxpayer is going to have to end up paying. The local community is going to end up having to address this matter. Probably the, the federal government eventually will do it. But again, that's your tax money coming back. Now, uh, we are seeing some minor crimes. We're seeing people uh, who are sitting uh, at the um, who are sitting on the on the um, sidewalk uh, who are creating a minor nuisance. And uh, we are we are seeing this, these minor little infractions, because these people don't understand American culture and American laws. However, how much longer before they start to create major, major problems, major crimes? Because folks who, uh, you know, who have the, the wherewithal and the get up and go to come to the United States to take a, a long, uh, dangerous trip, they're going to uh, have uh, the gumption, the resources in their brains and soul uh, not to sit around and do nothing. Uh, they are going to, uh, if they turn to crime, it's going to be a major situation, a major problem. The other thing, my friends, are, are the organizations. Here the, uh, there are some organizations here in San Antonio who are working uh, with the unaccompanied minors. Let me, let, me, let me be very, very blunt before we, we, we close here. The, mine, the unaccompanied minors are illegal aliens, okay? They are illegal aliens. Doesn't matter how old they are. They are entering the country illegally. These folks are also being utilized. These minors are also being, being utilized to uh, circumvent immigration law. And we are rewarding it with family reunification. This is wrong, my friends. Illegal aliens, regardless of their age, should not, should be deported, including these young people. 
Once again, my friends, thank you for, for joining us. We're going to go to our first guest. Um, we got a lot more to say on this whole issue with the, uh, with the Migrant Center in San Antonio. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Brent Smith. He is the attorney for Kenny County on the border here in Texas. And I consider Brent to be the person that started the entire ball rolling as far as uh, getting local governments to do something about the illegal immigration uh, that was affecting them. Uh, Kenny County had uh, has been having a tremendous problem of illegal aliens crossing through their through people's property, et cetera, et cetera. And Brent has been at the very, very front from the very beginning to address the issue in some form or fashion. So I wanted to get him on because there is a uh, there is a movement now uh, of counties to declare invasion. An invasion. Some uh, some Democrats, of course, don't like that. Uh, they don't like to call it an invasion, but nevertheless, there's a a, uh, a a movement to do that. Brent, welcome to the show. First of all, tell us tell us about uh, this um, this situation of counties uh, getting on board and declaring an invasion. Tell us first about that. Sure, George. Well, you know this uh, you know started out with uh, you know a few counties at first along the border area, uh, including Goliath, Kenny, um, you know, uh, those sorts. But then, you know, counties across the state started doing this. And what it comes down to is the counties across the state realize what what they're facing. They realize the dangers in drugs, the cartel activity, um, you know, all the all the unvetted people coming across the border, and they foresee the consequences that Texans are going to have to live with for years to come if this doesn't stop now. And so a lot of counties, even though, you know, they're not right on the border, they're far or as far as over across the state by Louisiana. They're declaring that there's an invasion on the southern border, and they're pleading with the governor to um, take action and declare an invasion. And it's it's really remarkable that the, the number of counties are coming on board with more to come. Now, we are seeing here in San Antonio, San Antonio is not on the border. We are about 150, 120 miles away from the border. However, uh, the... Um, uh, Homeland Security has set up a uh, a processing center, uh, along with the help of the with the with the assistance of the city, and we have well over a thousand daily illegal aliens coming through the city. Some of whom are ending up in the city homeless because they have no money, they have no family, they have nowhere to go. Um, you know, com- communities away from the border are going to start experiencing all sorts of problems, are they not? Oh, they already are. Um, and, you know, let me let me back up a little bit. What most people don't realize is, is calling this an, an immigration crisis is is just one part of the entire picture. What is really at the center of this is the cartel uh, operations that are occurring on both sides of the border all the way within the United States. And, and what this invasion declaration does is normally the governor of Texas does not have the authority to enforce the borders of the state and and prevent people, cartels, crime from, you know, coming through the border. Um, It's a very difficult thing to do for the governor. But when under the Constitution of the U.S. Constitution and the Texas Constitution, when he declares an invasion, he invoked an expanded amount of authority to protect the border of Texas and to prevent all the drugs, cartel operations, human smuggling, trafficking. I mean, the list goes on. And declaring invasion invokes that authority where he can have the tools to solve the crisis. Because in reality, there's two people that can solve this border crisis, President Biden and Governor Abbott. That's it. And so what this county, what these counties are doing when they declare an invasion, it's basically an official request to the governor to invoke the uh, constitutional authority under Article 1 and to do something more about this, to take additional steps to prevent the crime coming over. Because what's crazy is that border crime is is separate and apart from your normal crime. And the reason I say that is you cannot prevent 100% of crime that happens in San Antonio. But with border crime, if it doesn't enter the state of Texas or the United States, you prevent that drug from coming over. That overdose won't happen. That person won't rape a child but for the fact that they legally entered the country. So you know you can actually prevent crime from crossing into the border by enforcing it, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense because um, 
Uh, I remember the shooting of uh, the murder of of Kate, of Kate Steinle in, in San Francisco. The guy had entered the country three times illegally. And, um, yep. you know, he had a record previously to entering the third time. So and that's uh, just one death out of hundreds. That yes. Would, you can you can systematically prove that if that person had entered the U.S. illegally, he would not therefore have killed that person. So having a border would have prevented that death, let alone the fentanyl death we have. So you believe very strongly. I mean, um, you, you do believe that uh, that the governor has the ability, the power to uh, do something about the border to prevent these people from coming in? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the author of Article 1 on, on the Constitution was James Madison. And uh, in explaining the reasoning and, and the use that it could be um, used for, um, he had an example in Virginia talking to about the smuggling that was occurring at all Virginia's coast. And he was saying you could use Article 1, the state militia, to prevent smuggling from occurring in Virginia. I mean, it's, it's the exact same situation we're, we're faced with now. And the author of Article 1 actually used that example. So absolutely, it's a it's a self defense mechanism reserved to the states um, under the Constitution. That's interesting. That that's amazing. I would imagine you've gotten some pushback from people who uh, continue to say that there is no that the, that the um, uh, that all the power is in the hands of the federal government. But here we've got a situation where the federal government is not doing its job. Correct, and that's what the founders made that for. You know, the the federal government has a constitutional mandate to prevent an invasion from occurring, but when they fail to do that duty, the states reserve that right to themselves on Article One in case this exact situation occurred. And for people that say this isn't an invasion because it's not a a state actor, there's there's plenty of you know um, historical aspect that you can look at this. It doesn't require to be a state actor. Um, you know what? You know um, the Taliban's not a state actor. Yeah, they're classified as terrorists. The cartel has done everything and then some that the Taliban have. So th- I believe that people that underestimate the cartels are, are living in a dire situation. Now, uh, you know, and I'm 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 not asking you to be a mind reader, but why do you why do you think some people are just so hesitant to uh, invoke this? I mean, uh, why are they? so uh, scared to put their foot down and say we're being invaded well I think some of the pushback comes from people thinking um, you know that declaring war on on uh, on the border will involve you know bullets and tanks and bombs which is which isn't the case um, you know what we're talking about is just securing the border of Texas and um, you know it's 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 a legal it's a legal aspect that you have to, if you don't have a border as a country then you can't even call yourself one you have to have to you know be a sovereign state you have to have a border and right now we don't have one and if people don't think this is an invasion they're more than welcome to come live on the border with the rest of the residents down here and I guarantee you their minds going to change very quickly. You know, uh, let's talk about that word invasion. Uh, the the Democrats and the liberals definitely are freaking out about using the word invasion. I mean, they've already they've already said that it's a racist word. Is it? I mean, why are we using the word invasion? I mean, is it not an invasion? Well, the the word invasion is being used because that's the um, legal context under the Constitution that that is necessary for you to invoke those powers to enforce the border. You got it. And you know. In, in the Constitution or any other document, if a term isn't specifically defined in that document, it's given its plain meaning under, you know, common circumstances or di- the dictionary. And the definition of an invasion isn't necessarily a state actor. It can be an invasion of anything. Yep. So, you know, and it, it's also, you know, it's been somewhat litigated in courts and it was found to be a political question, meaning that it's up to the states to determine if it's an invasion, not the federal government. The power to declare if it's an invasion or not resides with the states, and that's why the, um, the Arizona governor candidate has stated the first day of office she's declaring an invasion and, and fixing Arizona's border. Wow! You know, it. it, uh, it, it let me ask you one more question before I let you go. Is uh, or, or for a comment? Uh, we've been listening to the uh, mayor of D.C. and the mayor of uh, New York upset because uh, they're getting a few buses of illegal aliens. <laughs> What's your thoughts? Yeah. I think it's ironic that they have the audacity to comment about the situation when Texas is dealing with 90, 99% of it, and they have 1% that they're dealing with. Um, you know, it, it shows what kind of reality that they, they live in 
where they can't even acknowledge what the facts are on the ground. <laughs> it really does. I mean, you know, if they could, uh, I've heard some of the ranchers in Kenny County tell me about the number of people that cross on a weekend through their property. And uh, these guys are worried about a few that are ar- arriving on a bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, most people that ask me, well, how is the border? What is it really like? And I usually just tell them, like, you get every, everything you think it's like in your imagination, it's much worse. You know, the, the media, the pictures, the videos can't really do it justice until you're actually living here. That's and, um, you know, people need to wake up because it's going to be too late to try to fix it eventually. That's true. That's true. Well, Brent, thank you very, very much once again for uh, spending some time to talk to us and explaining this uh, this situation, uh, this uh, uh, why the counties are, are getting on board. And it, I mean, it, it sounds like they like all of them need to get on board. You know, hopefully, at least a majority will, because I'm almost positive some of the Democrat-run ones are not going to do it. Yeah, and what it comes down to is Texans have had enough. We're done with it. We're, we're going to do something ourselves if the federal government doesn't. And Texans aren't ones to wait around on someone else to fix their problems. Amen. Amen. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our good buddy, uh, Mr. Brent Smith, the uh, attorney for Kenny County, Texas. Brent, thank you very, very much for being with us and for explaining this uh, situation for us. Glad to do it, George. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP, 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from South Texas in San Antonio, and we've got uh, Mr. Ken Oliver, who is the Senior Director at uh, the Texas Public Policy Foundation for the Right uh, on uh, Immigration Project. And uh, I wanted to get him on because uh, Texas Public Policy Foundation is the the, uh, policy uh, institute here in Texas, um, something similar to the Heritage Foundation, and uh, I wanted to get him on to chat about the reaction by uh, these, uh, well, shall I call them Yankees, <laughs> by these folks, in, by the mayor in D.C. and in New York regarding uh, the busing, busing of uh, aliens into their community, the migrants, the illegal aliens that uh, we've got an overflow here. Ken, thank you t- for taking time to be with us. Um, what's your thoughts on the reaction by these uh, these uh, mayors in New York and, and in D.C. regarding uh, the few busloads of uh, illegal aliens that uh, are showing up at their doorstep, uh, courtesy of our governor? Right. Well, George, thanks for having me, and, and I really appreciate those uh, kind words. We I'm speaking to you from Washington, D.C. Actually, I can see... Uh, the buses sometimes show up just a few blocks from uh, the Texas Public Policy D.C. office here on Capitol Hill. And so the buses are arriving right since uh, several months now and uh, creating immediate costs because local and state governments can't print money. They have immediate costs that they uh, are facing, and in New York even more so than Washington, D.C., where New York has the obligatory housing um, you know, in their sanctuary cities, both. Uh, so instead of welcoming, they're they're starting to complain. Um, it, they it, it just doesn't make any sense. The taxpayers of both cities, George, are bearing the burden um, now that the delegate from District of Columbia, Eleanor Holmes Norton, is asking for Congress to to allocate fifty more. $50 million more for the emergency food and shelter program by FEMA. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but they're, they're running out of money. That, that program has $150 million emergency food and shelter for this fiscal year. And, um, they, you know, that's, uh, the, the burden they face immediately, you know, you, you think if, if among the six, six or 7,000 so far, maybe, um, you know, that costs about $1,000, okay? The state pays about $1,000 to send somebody, but you can recoup that cost uh, by just one emergency room visit practically or 
a kid going to school for years about 10 times that much and with inflation even higher. So um, it's a smart move. And even the, the, the critics of, of the governor's uh, first, when he first announced and now they're seeing that this, uh, even the critics are saying this was a brilliant move because so many people in D.C. and New York don't uh, face the consequences. They have their walls, they have their security, but now they're seeing people impact on the streets uh loitering you're seeing that here in dc in new york um all kinds of impacts that are negative for quality of life and that that in the first place don't even make sense because the vast majority of these people don't qualify for asylum they're trying to call them all asylum seekers when they really don't qualify for asylum yeah i have been uh doing a lot of interviews of these uh, illegal aliens are down at uh, the at the migrant center here in San Antonio and uh, I mean literally all of them are economic refugees all of them tell me right off the bat that they're here just to find a better life they're not fleeing they're not political uh, uh, opponents of anybody or anything they just are seeking a better life which I you know I fully understand but they're not going to qualify if it is done correctly. You know, if, uh, if the uh, process is done correctly. Right, and that's a big if, George, because as you know, the, the Biden administration is changing the asylum system to allow for, uh, you know, climate change refugees uh, and domestic abuse uh, refugees and and uh, gang-related crime refugees. So, um it's they've really created the perfect storm and it, it's not easy to break the u.s uh national security and law enforcement system but they're doing it by a very deliberate uh two punch uh system which is loose asylum policy very deliberately uh and then loose uh enforcement policy in the interior once people are in queue for asylum uh, they're declared non-priority uh, unless that person commits uh, a murder or or commits a violent crime then they're they're prioritized but basically once people are let in uh, even though they the administration has this double speak because they say they will uh, have a, a system of justice where they'll adjudicate if the person is not qualified for asylum they'll say they will uh repatriate the person but they're they're not prioritized to do it they're they're it's it's really a shame what's going on it's a travesty what's going on it's it's amazing uh you know like you just said a person from cuba a person from venezuela yes it's a tough regime but very few of these people are active political opponents that are you know active leaders which is these are the few people who would who would actually qualify for asylum on a political basis, not just because the, the life is tough in Cuba and Venezuela. But we're getting more people. People don't realize we're getting more people than the Marielle boat lift in 1980 from Cuba. Uh, it's now near nearly 200,000 in the last fiscal year. And same thing with Venezuela. And now with all the uh, collapse of, of various countries going socialist in Colombia is the latest. We're getting a big uptick of Colombians now, too. Yeah, well, in fact, uh, that's very, very interesting that you bring that up because uh, on Sunday I spoke to some middle-class Colombians who had literally flown with their luggage. I mean, they look more like tourists, but they had flown to uh, Mexico City and then flown uh, to uh, Monterey, and then um, they had uh, taken a bus to Nuevo, uh, to uh, uh, Piedras Negras and come across, walked across. When I asked them why they had done that, they said they didn't want to stay. They didn't want to wait in line anymore for uh, for any type of uh, legal immigration, and they could get in this way. They got in. Amazing. <laughs> That's right, and that that word spreads very quickly back home. So you just have, uh, you know, it's constantly getting worse in terms of the numbers, and the border patrol is increasingly dedicated to processing these people and not looking out for 
uh, you know, not sur- surveillance of the border and, and catching the bad guys. Um, and and it's 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 really a perfect storm what's going on in, in terms of the collapse of, of border security uh, and the whole enforcement system of our uh, and the integrity of our immigration system. Yep. And in, in, uh, how is the governor? of Texas, Governor Abbott viewed in Washington at this point. I mean, we certainly are, are, are looking at the at the mayor of D.C. and New York as hypocrites. I mean, I'm not sure how else you can paint them. But how are they viewing uh, our governor? Yeah, it's, it's very clearly that Governor Abbott is viewed very negatively by, by his um by his counterparts in New York State and, and the, the Washington, D.C. mayor uh, and the, the New York City mayor, obviously. Um, it, it's a real interesting dynamic because I think, and both of the both mayors are on the losing end so far. And I think it, I can confidently say they will be on the losing end because even among their own people, um, there there's a taxpayer uh, growing um you know, sentiment against uh, people getting ahead uh, of others in terms of benefits. I mean, who who else would get? What American citizen could just get a hotel that's worth four hundred or five hundred a night on the taxpayer's dime and get flights to wherever you know they want to go? Sometimes, um, and then uh, all these benefits that that uh, have real costs to them. I mean, property taxes are what cover most education costs and so th- those are very uh, those those are impacts that are immediately felt in the classrooms that are just starting up right now so I mean uh, when I talk to someone uh, I, I would I would ask I will ask them what's the point of being uh, I mean when I talk to a, to, a, to a liberal what is the point of being an American citizen, a legal, lawful American citizen of an illegal alien is going to get the same rights, benefits, and privileges. I mean, what's the point? Exactly. It, it diminishes American citizenship. It, it, uh, it's a very disturbing trend. No, no country in its right mind would do this. Um, it's, it's really an insult to, to all law-abiding citizens and legal residents and immigrants uh, what's what's being allowed to happen very deliberately uh, it just uh, it doesn't make any sense um, uh, th- there's a lot of hypocrisy uh, where now some of the Biden administration is talking about prioritizing deportations again but the numbers show that the, the numbers are going in the exact opposite direction. You're having high record numbers of illegal entries, but record lows of arrests and repatriations or removals. Amazing. It, it, it's incredible. Ken, thank you for taking some time to be with us. Um, tell the folks uh, about uh, where they can follow uh, the Texas Public Policy Foundation and, uh, and uh, the Right on Immigration Project. Sure, we're at texaspolicy.com. There's a whole section called Right on Immigration where you can see our latest work, including our Border Security Coalition. Uh, and we'll actually be in Arizona next month meeting with border sheriffs so we can update you then uh, as, as we not only deal with this in Texas, but throughout the Southwest. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, it, 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 is, it is shocking how uh, Arizona and Texas are responding to it, and I, I don't hear much of a peep from California. No, you don't. You don't. Uh, California is lucky because they, they, that's where they first did uh, the wall. And However, there was a terrible incident just the other day in California, which Congresswoman Flores has a video of it, uh, of these smugglers attacking our border patrol agents um so there's increasing violence increasing disrespect for for our border border patrol agents uh coming from both the you know criminal elements and even from the Biden administration yeah when uh when 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 the boss himself does not respect the border patrol why should you expect the illegal aliens to respect them in 
incredible. Exactly. Incredible. Ken, thank you very, very much. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Bat O'Brien, Director of uh, Investigations at uh, the Immigration Research Law Institute in Washington, D.C. I wanted to ask Matt, because uh, we're hearing a lot of screaming from D.C. and New York as uh, a few immigrants, uh, illegal aliens, as we call them down here, are arriving up there in buses... Uh, we're hearing a lot of screaming and yelling from the mayors of New York and D.C. Now, these are supposed to be sanctuary cities. However, Matt, welcome to the show. How how safe are these sanctuaries where these illegal aliens are landing now? <laughs> well, they're... They're not very safe, um, and and a part of the reason they're not very safe is because these are all communities that have stopped cooperating with immigration and customs enforcement, and the fact is that a large number of people who are in the United States clandestinely, uh, without the authorities knowing that they're here or having any ability to track them, uh, will frequently turn to criminal activity in order to fund their stay here in the United States, and if you're a quote-unquote sanctuary city that refuses to cooperate with ICE, then rather than having the people who are proven to be bad guys taken out of your community, they're left on the streets. Now, in many cases, these are the, some of the same communities that had very strong uh, defund the police movements as well, and uh, they've taken some steps to, um, to limit uh, police activity. So not only are they limiting ICE, they're also limiting their own police forces from um, fighting crime. Uh, I mean, doesn't isn't this a double whammy for uh, public safety? Uh, it is a double whammy. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. If you think about it from the, the standpoint of your home, um, you know, I have four walls and locks on my doors, not because I dislike the people who are outside of my home. It's because I love the people who are inside my home <laughs> and I want to protect them. And, you know, if I come home uh, tonight after work and I find two people I don't know sitting in my basement watching my, my television, I'm not going to invite them to stay and offer to pay for their medical care and their kids' college just because they tell me they're nice people who are only looking for a job. I'm going to call 911 and have them removed. Um, and I think what these cities have done is they have essentially ignored the fact that law enforcement is a continuum. I think that was proven very well under Giuliani in New York City. And if you start taking the small stuff seriously, that leads to a general mindset of, of people being law-abiding, and it improves the safety of your city. But if you turn a blind eye to small things, then you start to create problems because people become more emboldened to commit crimes. If you turn a blind eye to big things, like people trespassing in the country and being here unlawfully, then what you're just doing is you're inviting all kinds of crime. And, you know, there are things like human trafficking and document fraud and identity theft that go hand in hand with illegal migration, and there's just no way to separate them. We are seeing here in San Antonio, because um, <clears throat> our city has set up a uh, migrant center, they call it, and they are helping to process folks uh, on their journeys north. Uh, no, uh, Supposedly, nobody was supposed to stay in San Antonio, but uh, now what they're finding is that there's a lot of people crossing who have nowhere to go. And so uh, it's fueling the local uh, homeless problem. What, are these, wh what is D.C. or these other towns doing about... Uh, you know, people that um, that are basically homeless, that have no, nowhere to go, no families, no sponsors, no money. What are they doing with these people? Uh, well, basically, they're whining about it. I mean, New York, uh, D.C., Los Angeles, Chicago, all of these places have declared themselves 
welcoming cities, which is the latest politically correct moniker for sanctuary cities, and have said that they welcome people from all over the world regardless of their immigration status. Um, and, and in the greatest of all ironies, for years, all of these cities have been making fun of people who have requested federal intervention along the border and in border states. These places have a few more illegal aliens show up than usual, and they're asking for the National Guard to be brought out because they're claiming that they don't have the resources to house or feed these people. And what's not apparent to us here at Early is if these places are sanctuary cities and they don't need to cooperate with ICE and they can welcome all the illegal aliens that want to come here, why are they having problems with trying to address uh, the arrival of, you know, a slightly larger than normal number of illegal aliens in their jurisdictions. It's just the height of hypocrisy. So who uh, can you tell us who some of the uh, most dangerous cities who declared themselves uh, uh, sanctuaries are? I sure we just published our 2022 list of America's worst sanctuary communities. Uh, number one this year was New York City. Uh, number two was Los Angeles, and number three was Chicago. Uh, number four was Philadelphia. Number five was San Francisco. And uh, those are the top five. Anyone who wants to see the whole list can log on to our website, which is www.earlyirli.org. You know, I've been interviewing uh, in Spanish a lot of the um, uh, of these illegal aliens, these migrants who are hanging out in front of the migrant center because the migrant center, obviously, here in San Antonio, has now become overwhelmed, uh, and uh, they are sitting around outside. They're standing around outside, and uh, I mean, so many of them are going to New York. Uh, so many of them are going to Chicago, and I just keep wondering. Do these folks know what they're getting into? Uh, I think in a lot of cases they don't. And I think in a lot of cases, many of these people are probably people who should not have come here to begin with. Uh, what sort of happened is that with the Biden administration and other people on that side of the issue, uh, welcoming people to to come here uh, in complete violation of law, there's a lot of people that show up thinking that this is going to be this Disney-like experience and that there's going to be free everything and uh, work in abundance and things of that nature. And when they get here, they find that the picture is not quite as rosy, especially if you lack the ability to speak English and you don't have any job skills that are marketable in the type of economy that we have here in the United States. And I think you add to that, there's a lot of familial pressure uh, from a lot of these folks um, to make money in hard currency here in the U.S. and then send remittance payments back uh, to the countries that these folks have originally come from. So a lot of them, even when they find out that the situation is not what they expected it to be, they don't want to go home and confront the, the shame and disappointment of family members who are expecting to have money flowing in from the U.S. Yep, that's very, very true. We've seen, uh, I've spoken to many folks who uh, who have arrived and and uh, they were expecting to get a job and now now they're going to have to look for a job. Uh, others that uh, are are having to do day labor uh, right in front of the migrant center, even though they're not they don't have any permission to to uh, work. Uh, and then others who all of a sudden uh, they thought they had uh, someone waiting for them, and it turns out uh, these folks really didn't want them. In the first place, so now they're out in the street. I mean, it—it it is such a disaster. Uh, it, it, it's amazing that the mainstream media, as well as the Spanish-speaking media, doesn't tell these people about what what they're getting into. Uh, it's shocking, but I think it's this sort of utopian vision of. Uh, you know, we're welcoming to the entire world, everybody's going to get along, the law doesn't matter, which appeals to the left, 
you know, but reality usually doesn't get in the way of, of leftist policies when they're remaking the world in their own image. And so I think what you have is a, a situation that winds up being uh, a real humanitarian crisis. It winds up being very exploitative. And, um, you know, the fact is that nobody wants to see people exploited for cheap labor. Uh, nobody wants to see people in a situation where they can't care and feed them, you know, care for and feed themselves. And nobody wants to see people in a situation where they're homeless. Um, and yet, the people who are announcing these sanctuary policies really don't want to take a look at the practical implications of what they're doing. Uh, and of course, they don't want to acknowledge that sometimes when people are in a new culture where they can't speak the language and where they are dislocated, it often leads to bad ends where people become the victims of crimes themselves, or frequently they become criminals uh, because they don't perceive themselves having any other way uh, to make ends meet and you also have the situation where a lot of people in order to get here become dependent upon international criminal organizations and uh, in order to put yourselves in the hands of vicious smugglers you have to have a, a questionable relationship with the, the rule of law and with law and order to begin with so it's just a recipe for disaster no matter how you slice it so do we see uh, these sanctuary communities waking up and, and changing their minds or are they kind of digging their heels or covering their eyes? Well, they seem to be digging their heels in and covering their eyes. I mean, particularly here in Washington, D.C., we've repeatedly heard uh, the mayor, Muriel Bowser, uh, who has waxed eloquent about uh, D.C. being a sanctuary community. She's now blaming everyone uh, for the problems that she's experiencing in trying to receive and settle uh, all of these folks who have no permission whatsoever to be here. Um, and it's kind of ironic in the sense that she's blaming the governor of Texas and she's blaming the Pentagon for not wanting to send out National Guard troops to assist with this. And it's really a case of she got exactly what she asked for and it didn't turn out to be as rosy and wonderful as she thought it was going to be. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Matt, tell the folks how they can follow early and where they can follow the uh, the research and the and the uh, news that you people that uh, early puts out. I uh, sure. So we're the Immigration Reform Law Institute. Our website is www.irli.org. And uh, we have all of our uh, commentary, news coverage, and uh, pieces that we put out, like the Sanctuary City List, on the website. And there is also a place there for people to communicate with us if they want to leave messages or uh, let us know of anything that we should be taking a look at. You got it. Folks, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Matt O'Brien, uh, with the Immigration Reform Law Institute in Washington, D.C. Matt, thank you very much for taking time to talk to us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 